Hey guys, welcome to the Reindeer Club podcast. I'm Jordan Eckroth, and this week I'm joined by San Diego-based artist and creator Leah Pante for a fascinating conversation about um, Leah's own life, the struggle of being a fine artist in a city like San Diego, and a whole lot of other fun stuff like faith, doubt, the unknown, and more super breezy topics that we ended up getting way too into our heads about. It was a super good time. Thanks for listening. Uh, If you like it, you can hear a lot more episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. And you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I'm Jordan Eckroth, and this is The Reindeer Club. Welcome Thank to you. the Reindeer Club podcast. Thank you. This is here. I'm gonna do my announcery voice. Welcome to the. Ooh. No, I try to be more uh, natural. Oh, good idea. Okay. Yeah. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Yeah, I had a good day. Um, just you know, went to work. It's just uh, this life sometimes. Yeah, I get it. So, uh, your day was pretty exciting. You went swimming. It was very exciting. I went swimming. Um, with my favorite non-competitive old folks that I swim next to, which was really good. Um, and then I went home and was working on making a dress, which was very exciting. And then I did that until I came here to see you. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, You're a dressmaker as well. Uh, yeah, I grew up making a lot of my own clothes when oh, I was really? younger. Yeah, okay. so it was just kind of like a pastime for a long time. And yeah. recently I've been getting more and more okay. into it in a more serious way. Okay. So. Uh, for, for people who don't know you, could you maybe just introduce yourself right. a little bit? Yeah, I'm, I'm a, not a professional dressmaker. But you could be. I could be a casual dressmaker. Um, I am a painter. I call them abstract landscapes. I work in oil. Um, recently, I've been working on paper, but I like making panels as well because it feels really like craftsman-y, and I like <laughs> that. Um... Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really quick, that's a real quick overview, but that's pretty much what I... Just to start there. Yeah, perfect. Um, well, I mean, really where I like to start is kind of just, like, at the beginning. Let's right. just, like, get the whole story. Like the birth? Does the it... birth story? If you want. I don't want to, so okay, we can I'll tell you that. other stuff. <laughs> Let's, uh, where, where should we start? Where should the, the, the Leah Pante story begin? Nice. Thank you. Um, well, I am from Boulder, Colorado. That's probably where I would start. Um, I grew up really happy in a really energy efficient home. Oh. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's worth talking about because it's like to a whole nother level of energy efficiency. They like have a custom made, like my stepdad built a special toilet so that it could be even more energy efficient than just regular energy efficient toilets. Was it like comfortable to sit on? It's comfortable to sit on, but the back of it was like a, like a stew pot. Oh. Yeah, and you would like pour water in and then a plunger's there. It's like really wow. some intense stuff. And all of our water was solar heated, and so you had to like flip a switch to get hot water. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was, it was pretty intense. And I took all of my showers 
No, that's rounding up. 80% of my showers from like a bucket, like a five gallon bucket. And I would just use like a jar what and the like heck? dip okay, myself. Wait, where so does pretty this come heavy. from? Are your parents just like... They're just like really intelligent, energy efficient people. Like my mom works in computer science and my okay. stepdad is an architect. Okay. And they just, that's what they care about. They care about living a life that wow. has low footprint. That's just amazing. Like two yeah. people, you know, who so yeah. much care about the same thing could find yeah. each other. Yeah. It's the sweetest. And build so, their own toilets. Yeah. And yeah. shower bucket um, systems. Yeah. It's a f- for real, a whole nother level. Like I, I would always describe them as hippie and then, but they're like not hippie chic, you know, like how you would imagine. Like my mom very much looks like a businesswoman, but oh yeah, this is just how we live. Yeah. Do they smoke um, weed? No. But my mother, I remember this one moment where I was sitting in, like, my mom's office chair, like, twirling around. My mom was like, if you want to experiment with drugs when you get older, like, you know, it's okay. I did, too. And I remember I was so young that I was like, oh, my gosh, mom, like, you can't just talk to me about drugs. And I was, like, really upset about it. (laughs) (laughs) I still haven't talked about it. I still have not asked my mom about that situation. So, but I did read her diary once, and I know that she did smoke. Oh, I'm pretty bad. Pretty is this, livid on the edge. Is she, is she going to listen to this? Do you Maybe. Think? Sorry, Mom. But she knows because oh. she found her diary in my room and she was like, that's not for you. So <laughs> You took her diary into your room, into your room oh, yeah. and left it there. <laughs> I wasn't. I mean, like, I'm a pretty, I was a pretty good kid. So I wasn't like yeah. really versed in being sneaky and yeah, stuff. I was like. at covering your tracks. Yeah, I didn't know that. I wasn't allowed to, you know, like my mom gave me her childhood one, you know, from when I was the same age. So I like oh, got to read that. Yeah, it was this cute. great gift. Um, yeah. So I think from that point, I was like, and all of this is mine to read. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> so. Oh my. Wait, like where did she keep it that you... She just like on an open shelf. They like, you know, back then they, or I guess people still have journals like this, but they had the year on them. Yeah. You know, and it was just like that. And she just like kept them right above her computer you know they're oh. just like neatly organized and yeah so you could just kind of like select the year yeah she's kind of like she's kind of asking she was definitely asking for it well she was also probably assuming i wouldn't do anything because i was pretty so i was pretty a good kid yeah so she probably just thought i would respect her space and Boy, did was not she wrong <laughs> sorry she really mom messed up on that <laughs> now the whole world knows the whole world knows that my mom smoked pot dang Sorry, this Mom. is the hard truth coming <laughs> I know, out. But anyway, it didn't affect my growing up at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I, I'll i just move right past that, right past that to other stuff. So, segue. <laughs> back on track, back on me. Uh, yeah, so I, um, I went to high school in Boulder and focused a lot on my art. I was in like a little girl art gang. Really? How did you grow up being interested in art? Yeah, yeah, I was always really interested in it. That was just, like, the thing that I was good at, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in school, before I really realized that, like, art could be a thing, I really thought I would biology, because I really enjoyed dissecting rats. Okay. I thought that was, like, yeah. really cool. Who among us does not enjoy it? <sighs> Exactly. Everybody. Everybody loves that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, uh, I was required to go to this like portfolio day where you got your work reviewed by you know like college scouts or whatever for art schools and a lot of schools really liked my work and wanted me to go there and so I really thought that it could be a real thing for me 
and um, I didn't end up going to an art school, but I did end up studying art, and um, and I got my minor in philosophy, and then I moved here to San Diego, and it's just wow. been smooth sailing or okay. something. Well, that's a good uh, little summary right there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Wait, you. so uh, what what brought you to San Diego? Um, mostly the beautiful weather. Uh, oh, I did listen to that. I think it's the podcast with Alan that you're talking about, how beautiful it is here in San Diego. The, the topic most of them. honestly comes up okay. pretty frequently. Well, we'll just go on because it's so beautiful here. I came here um, and I really thought that all of California would kind of be the same like artsy, Hollywoody lifestyle thing. And so I really felt like San Diego would just be a smaller L.A. Oh, yeah. Um, which it's not. No. But, um, you know, I'm really happy to be here, and I was happy to be here when I moved here, too. Yeah. How long did it take you to realize that it was, like, not just a smaller L.A. here? Um, I think when I first got here, um, I had met a mentor, and one of the first things that he had told me, he was like, all right, you need to start looking at galleries and look at galleries who you think your work would fit with or that you could offer something special to. Um, and so I, of course, started looking in San Diego because I was here. And mm-hmm. I think with all my searches, like four galleries came up, you know, and a lot of them were, were not a fit for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was like a pretty disappointing thing. But my mentor at the time was showing all over. So he was really like, oh, it doesn't matter that San Diego doesn't have anything. Like, look at all these other options. And so that's that's what I did anyway. Okay. So, yeah. Well, so what was it like? So, yeah, I mean, the whole thing, you, you moved to San Diego thinking that this is a place where you're going to be able to, like, put your roots down and begin to flourish as an artist. Right. And a little disappointed by what you found here? A little bit, but I also think... There was a learning curve for me, definitely. When I went to school, there was no training at all on how to market yourself. It was all how to create a complex image and mm. you know be um, be thoughtful and know know where your place is in history and and all yeah. these things like that. And there was nothing on marketing, so really, um, everything that I was learning, instead of feeling disappointment, I was just like, oh, and this is what it's like everywhere. Okay. Like I really felt like that was what the world was. Okay. Um, and so it really didn't feel disappointing. I mean, I'm, I would not say that I'm disappointed now, but until I really realized that San Diego doesn't have as many options for yeah. a painter that's painting things like I am here. Right. Like maybe a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's not... You kind of just saw it more, of, uh, more as a challenge. Yeah, and that I really just felt like... It was California, so it like mm-hmm. it would work out, you know, and like yeah. maybe I just couldn't find them, but they're here, you know, and it right. just I really didn't. It didn't really register to me, I guess, until I really started looking at at other locations like L.A. Okay. or whatever, where you can see the millions of galleries and people who really care about art. They're like, oh, maybe not all cities are this way. Yeah, so. you sound like a real optimist, though. I in feel your pretty approach. positive. Okay. I'm excited about what I'm doing. So yeah. I think it's, it's easier to be optimistic when you think you have something to say. Yeah. Well, okay. So let, let's talk then about like what you're doing and kind of what your life looks like right now. Um, my life looks 
a little weird right now, honestly. Okay. Uh, so I'm this collection that I started when I was on residency in Iceland um, called Janus. And it's all... Janus is this... Do you know the story about Janus? No. Janus is this Roman god who has two heads. So one head in the front and one head in the back. Okay. Um, and at that point in time, I was reading this book by... Albert Rothenberg, who is a not very famous philosopher, okay. but he had this idea called Janusism, where you hold two opposites in your hand in the same moment. Um, and so this, my whole thing was kind of inspired by this particular philosophy. My whole collection was kind of like spurred from this idea of holding two, two opposites and the desire to know something that is unknown. Yeah. Um, and that there's a lot of beauty in the frustration of mm-hmm. not knowing things. Yeah. What is the like practical application of so, Rothenbergism? He is mostly using it in idea fabrication. So when you think of something like uh, Taoism is a perfect example or like yin and yang, mm-hmm. um, where you literally need the other side to make the other one exist. Okay. You know, and a lot of things are like that, like darkness and light. You know, a lot of things are like that. But when he's talking about this idea of Janusian thinking, mm-hmm. it's really the, that spark of a moment where two polar opposites demand each other in the same instant, mm. um, which is really exciting for me, this like one moment sort of powerful friction idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the concept is that, and then the execution in my paintings is a lot of, I'll like paint a full, a full piece with full color and excessive detail and making patterns for hours in it. And then I'll cover most of it up with white paint, um, except little like hints of it. So you get through applying the white paint, I am physically adding paint, but also taking away detail. So it's that same idea of the Janusian thing of in this same moment, I'm doing both. Wow. Um, and then the piece is also when it's complete and you just get kind of glimmers of things it's talking about, um, you know, kind of depending on the hints that you get of a greater picture, you mm-hmm. know, like you don't get to see the full picture and, and it's okay. And you can appreciate what you have. And there's a lot of trust in, in what I'm telling you, you know, like I'm telling you that I made a full piece, but you don't know, you won't ever get to know really. Yeah. Um, so I'm still kind of grappling with that idea. I'm doing a lot of, um, thinking and research and planning on that idea. Um, I also, so I have side jobs. So I also, uh, just finished my second microbiology textbook that I illustrate for. Oh, holy cow. I I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, we're, that's another, like, I just kind of fell into it, but it's sort of destiny. Like I loved biology as a kid and, um, I had some pieces showing in a restaurant and this woman who is now a dear friend contacted me and she was like, I really feel like you can do this. And I was like, I definitely can draw viruses for textbooks. How did you know? <laughs> um, yeah. So I just finished my second textbook. So I'm kind of like in, we're gearing up to like go to a conference for it and like, oh my gosh. yeah, it was weird, weird side life. Wow. Um, yeah. And I'm doing like a lot of experimenting as well with, um, different types of art forms. Like I'm doing the, the dressmaking again. I'm doing a lot of embroidery. Um, you know, and I, I have another, I have another job that I do for stability and money. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like a lot of things, but I feel like it just kind of, does it balance pretty out. well or is it yeah. like too much? Yeah, it feels really good. Um, 
my uncreative job that I do, I guess, is still creative because I really care about the people that I'm working for. And I think the mission is really exciting for me, even Mm -hmm. if it's not a creative thing. Um, And they know that I have other pursuits so I can really work on my own time as well. So they, Mm. you know, and they know that I have other priorities and that meshes really well for us. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like with my own work, I can work whenever all the time. So, uh, yeah, I feel like it's pretty fluid. Yeah. Uh, just back to the, 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 the Janus concept. Sorry. Is that you really feel as though you are trying to like, you're a person who is trying to say something through your work you're not purely interested like in the aesthetic value of something Mm. there's like more meaning Mm. to it for you yes do you agree with all of that yes i agree so um that's like that's a subject that's like super fascinating to me because you know you meet some artists who like they'll put something out and i who you know i'll ask like you know what are you trying to say here and the first response is like well what does it mean to you Mm. if someone asks you about your stuff like what are you trying to say here you you've got a spiel (laughs) yeah okay yeah i do have a whole spiel um but just on a on a quick for i think a lot of people like even for me with a spiel it means a lot, like I have my own intention to make work, but it also means a lot that other people can say things, you know? So those artists that are like, oh, what does it mean for you? Um, what they just want is engagement, which I think is what all artists want. You know, yeah. they just want somebody to be able to look at it and think a little more critically at a little yeah. bit of a higher level. Um, so I really hope that for my pieces as well. Um, however... There is a lot that I'm trying to, that I personally am kind of grappling with, um, this idea of the mysterious and kind of coming to terms with the frustration of not understanding the full story, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, faith or creation or the general universe, you know, like we have to kind of decide for ourselves where where we're going to align ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. And it is really difficult for me that you can be set firmly in a path. You could be like, I'm firmly Christian or I'm firmly atheist or something like that. And any person could walk up to you and be like, you're wrong. And there's nothing you could do. Like, how crazy is that? And so that for me is so fascinating that there is this huge mysterious veil that we just kind of have to blindly decide on a direction to move and just kind of make that decision for yourself and I think so my work is talking a lot about that about this mysterious that we don't get access to and Mm -hmm. we have a lot of hope you know I think even for you know for people of faith or people that are not of faith you have a lot of kind of you make a judgment on the world that you think like you know I I am an optimist I think that the world has a positive spin you know like I I really trust that I trust that like it functions in a way intentionally you know Mm -hmm. um but a lot of people don't and you just have to kind of choose choose your direction and for me it's really frustrating that there's not a right answer yeah and that there's a lot of power in the conversation which for me that's so that's where I'm at I'm just talking about it because I don't know the direction to walk yeah well okay we'll talk about like your own relationship then with uh deeper things of life faith deeper things of life belief. and faith 
Um, when I went to, so I didn't grow up with any faith at all. Um, my parents were both Roman Catholic. And so I think from like all the knuckle wrapping and stuff, they were like, we are not going to raise Leah with any faith at all. And, you know, if she wants to talk about stuff, then she can. But really it was an entirely up to me sort of life. Um, and then when I got to college, I started studying philosophy and a lot of religious philosophy. And, um, it just totally blew my mind. I remember I went home from college and when I was talking to my mom and I was like, mom, people that have faith have this beautiful thing that I don't get to have. Like they get to have this like trusting relationship with a God and they can talk to him and like, Mm -hmm. you know, have someone to lean on. And like, if I ever want that, I'm going to have to like scratch and claw my way into that sort of thing like it's not something that I was raised with and gifted with yeah you know like I am really like you know my parents are both pretty rationally minded folk yeah um and so I like to do that too I like to think critically and stuff which is the problem with with faith because you can critically think yourself into any direction on this whole topic which is why it's exciting yeah and also so frustrating (laughs) yeah were you, wait, um, were you, like, upset with your parents? I was day? I was a little bit upset that I was like, why didn't you tell me? Like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you, like, tell me the options, you know? Be like, oh, we could raise you with faith where you have this God friend and get to, like, hang out and also, like, be in awe of his power. Or you can, you know, like, not believe that the world has intention. Or you can just, like, you know, kind of be naive to all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, like, I was like, I cannot, I cannot believe you didn't tell me about all these things like this is so like there are all these awesome things going on with faith that don't even have to do with God but you know like have to do with community and like generosity and these things that I think are really really important and um yeah I just didn't have access to any of it yeah so uh yeah I I studied that I got my minor in philosophy I was really really interested in religious philosophy and then I moved here to San Diego and it was like this spiral effect of everyone really beautiful and interesting. I was meeting happened to be of faith. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it just became, you said that Emily was like your first like girlfriend out here. Yeah. Emily was my first. This is Emily Schneider. We did an episode of the reindeer club. Emily Schneider. It was a pretty good one. Check it out. Actually, when we first met, like, didn't you tell me? You were like, I listened to your episode with Emily. It was so good. Yeah, yeah, I did. remember it. And I commented on your Instagram and I said, we should be friends. And guess who didn't reply? Yeah, that was me. uh, But it's fine now. It's fine now. Yeah. I, I, like, responded to you, like, six months later. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. Didn't know how I skipped this one. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, you know, I ran into all these people that had so much patience in their faith for having me grapple with it. Um, So it was this really beautiful experience of having a lot of support and me being able to ask questions that are uncomfortable questions and having people really like have patience and generosity with their time Mm -hmm. to uh, like listen to me whatever mull things over yeah um and so i i use this term called the god web i feel like it's really pro like present here the god web yeah i felt like as soon as i moved here and like i started meeting all of these people of faith i felt like i was this little fly trapped in god's web um which is really predatory feeling but it really kind of felt like that because it was like everywhere i turned there was like 
another another person of faith, another person of faith. And they're all these amazing humans, but it's this whole thing. And so now, like, I'll literally, I'll meet a new person and it'll be, you know, it'll be brought up, like, really quickly. And I'll be like, oh, so you're, you're part of the web, you know? Like, yeah. of course you are. Of and in this metaphor, are. is God, like, on his way to devour you? I guess so, yeah. Okay. And Emily and I had talked about that, too, of God, like, stalking me, you know? Like, of this weird predatory thing of, like you know, I am just personally too afraid to turn around and like have the conversation where I'm like, let's just talk about mysterious and how I don't know. And we just won't talk about this like guy behind me. <laughs> it's really creepy, but it felt like that. It still right. does sometimes. Okay. So I picture my God like a stalker. Yeah. Who among <laughs> us does not? Who yeah. among us does not find comfort exactly. in the image of being yeah. stalked? So I guess I'm not getting that friend God I was really hoping for, but I do have somebody watching me. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, that's... Wow. <laughs> not really sure what to ask after that. It's fine, it's fine. It's just... How'd I bring it there? Yeah. Okay, well, so sort of what I wanted, I did want to ask about like, kind of further in line with just this issue of like, so you're making art and yeah, there's like this incredible journey. I mean, this specific project that you're working on, this mm-hmm. like story behind it, mm. years of your life leading mm-hmm. up to, you know, this moment of you like wrestling with this. People ask you, what does it mean? Like you got an answer ready yeah. for it. But as an artist, like um, how do you approach... Um, Because you don't, like, yes, those themes that you're putting in your art, like, are there in this very, like, nuanced Mm. and subtle way, but they're certainly not, like, grabbing Yeah, I'm not putting in bowls or anything like that. Yeah, so how do do, do you, um, do you worry about getting misunderstood? Mm, Well, no, but, um... When people do not know my concepts, the questions that they ask, I think are in line. So I think like maybe I'm doing something right or maybe I'm getting lucky with it. But okay. um, I have a lot of people like I'll, I'll show my work without saying anything and people will, will be like, well, if this is your concept and you're making these images but you're painting it, like can I, can I see what it looked like before? You know, like can, I, like can I have access to this thing? And I'm like, isn't it frustrating that you can't? Like isn't that exactly, <laughs> isn't that exactly what I'm saying? Like it's frustrating and exciting, you know? And so even that, that question, and I get that more than anything else. And I get a lot of like, Oh, but is it, is it done? You know? Cause they're really white. They're like 90% white, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, which I think is even, even on its own is an interesting question because people are not yet, we have a certain idea of what something finished looks like and it Mm -hmm. looks complete and has, you know, the shoelaces tied and everything is like this neat package and that's not the world that we experience you know and like there's chaos out there and there's things that we don't understand and just because we don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not intentional or Mm -hmm. finished or whatever yeah um so the questions that i get asked i think are the right questions Mm -hmm. um and i think if i'm being misunderstood just like we were saying before, the exciting part about being misunderstood is that people are thinking enough about your piece in order to get to a level of misunderstanding it. Like, I think the disappointing part for being an artist would be if somebody sees it and doesn't stop, you know? Okay, yeah. Or if they're looking at it long enough to misunderstand it, you're like, 
yeah, at least you're engaging, <laughs> you know, like I will take it. Yeah, <laughs> you I did not it. have to. And you really spent some time on your own theory. Mm-hmm. So that's good. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so as to like your, your life as an artist right now, um, maybe let's talk a little bit about, yeah, what it is actually like trying to be a person who wants to be a painter for a living and you're kind of doing it. Kind of doing it. <laughs> not 100% there. Yeah. Um, painting is a surprising, it's, it's difficult because it's a traditional medium. And these days there is a lot, there's increasing support and excitement for new mediums. So that's like, um, video and kind of like art with technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and painting is one of the oldest art forms, you know, and I'm working in oil too. So not only am I not getting, I'm not using the like cool new acrylic stuff. I'm using like old pigments, you know? Yeah. Um, so it can be difficult because, and especially with, with the type of work I'm doing, it's, um, it's, it's a little more understated. It's a little more contemplative and meditative, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just, there can it's it's just difficult it can be difficult um finding a place for like in a a hip city like san diego yeah you know like san diego's really street savvy and stuff and my mm-hmm. uh my pieces feel i mean i started them in iceland so they have kind of that feeling i feel like they're a little more nordic mm-hmm. um so it is difficult but the fortunate part of it is that um Paintings are still the most viewed type of art form. They're everywhere. They're in restaurants. They're in elevators. They're in hotel lobbies. You can't go into a public space without seeing some type of something on the wall. Yeah. Um, so that's really motivating still. Okay. Um, but I'm really, I mean, you know, I really feel like I was intended to do this. I feel like I was made to craft and be a painter. Yeah. Um, or a creative, I should say. I'm trying mm-hmm. to trying to be more comfortable with fluid hats. Oh. Um, painter is fine. Yeah. You can call yourself a painter here. I think, thank you. Um, the scary thing about calling myself a painter is that I feel like then I put myself in a box. So if I'm having like a bad week where I'm not getting where I feel like I should be with my pieces, that I'm like, oh God, this is supposed to be my thing. Why? Yeah. Why is it not easier? Why am I not? You feel like you need to like diversify yeah, kind of. Your portfolio. Yeah, exactly. Be like, but it's fine because I call myself a creative, and that means <laughs> that I can also do other things. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh. So. So. What about um. So. For you know, for somebody who's like, sees you and you're putting out some like amazing work and just you know as you just said you're not necessarily like fully making a living off of that but mm-hmm. you you've begun to like make some money off of mm-hmm. your art mm-hmm. um. How do, how do you even, like, get to that place? Where I'm only making my money off art? Well, how do, you, how do you even begin to get to a place where you're making any money off of your art? Um, I think a lot of it is being brave enough to share your work with everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Especially people that you think won't care about your work. Um, yeah. There is, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said in naively reaching you know like yeah. I reached out to um the jealous curator who ended up showing my work and I really thought I was reaching with that because she has this huge fan base you know but mm-hmm. 
she ended up replying the same day and ended up showing my work that week and it was this really exciting thing and so I think um it takes a lot to just always be pushing yourself forward and always be sharing your work and I think it's it's something to share your work with your friends but it's a lot more of a thing to share your work with people who may not like it and whose opinions really matter to you yeah um and there are people that are really established and really can help. And I think, you know, being a generally kind human and being humble about your work will just, I think it helps. Yeah. You talked about like when you first moved here, you said like pretty immediately you found like a mentor, someone who was like giving you advice. Yeah. Like how did that happen? Um, I was working this job at a salvage yard and he had come in, he was looking for like some pedestals for his work. He was a sculptor. Okay. Um, and I found out he was a sculptor and I was like, Oh, what's uh, so like, can I, t- can I talk to you about how you market yourself? And so that kind of ended up springing into sort of a mentor, yeah. a mentoring relationship. Okay. Well, let's talk about marketing yourself. Thanks. <laughs> You're ready for this? <laughs> I guess so. I'm sweating a little, but that's fine. That's uh, <laughs> like, Traditionally, artists are not the people who market themselves. Mm. Uh, like, that's, you know, what you leave up to gallery owners mm. or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything yeah, about yeah. painting. I'm just <laughs> okay. spitballing here. Okay. Feel free to jump in Yeah, yeah, time. yeah. Sorry, I'll save you. <laughs> uh, yes. I think a lot of creative people have a lot of um, kind of hold up with marketing because they're you know, we identify as creative people and that shouldn't be our job to be marketing. Yeah. Um, but the truth is these days people follow people more than they follow products. And I think if you are not there, if you're not really willing to like represent your own work, nobody's mm-hmm. going to care about your own work. Okay. So I really think there is something in, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know how to market myself well or efficiently or cleanly, um, but I do think that it, everything that I've done has been because I, you know, put my own face forward. I'm not asking other people to do it for me. Yeah. Um, at this point, you know, hopefully someday when I'm mega famous, I'll have right. somebody do that for me. But, yeah. um, yeah, at this point, I think it's, it's more crucial that someone knows me and cares about me and my story and my work. And I think, you know. It's a lot harder to say no when you know somebody's story and when you care about that person as a real human instead of a name on your email. Right. Okay. So that's the motive for wanting to do the podcast. There it is. So people have a hard time saying no to you (laughs) because they know your story. (laughs) Exactly. Do you feel like you're, uh, there's that whole like, um, I think if you are thoughtful about who you share your work with you're not selling out like it's not you're not selling out to want to live off your craft you know and I think there are lots of different ways that it can feel like you're selling out like for me I would maybe feel like I was selling out if I started you know like painting llamas and because I had a big audience that really wanted my llamas or something like that like that would make me feel like I was selling out because I wasn't driving my own creative path okay yeah Um, but I don't find any shame in marketing myself so I can live off of what I'm best at. Yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't feel like that's selling out. I think that's 
doing the work. Yeah. So what does that look like for you, like marketing yourself? Marketing myself mostly looks like um, looking at lots of galleries that I think are doing really exciting work. And then I do like backwards stocking. So I'll look at galleries that I'm really excited about and then I'll find artists that I'm really excited about. And then I'll stock them and look at how they have moved up. So if, you know, if this is the third gallery that they're at, I'll go and look at maybe their first one or something like that mm. and kind of wow. see how you're, other people are climbing. You're good. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Got me lots of places. This is impressive. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think like there are a lot of successful people that are living off of their work that are not famous, mm-hmm. um, but are, you know, are just doing their thing, climbing up the ladder and, they're not famous, so you're not hearing their stories, but, you know, there are lots of people out there that are making it. Yeah. Um, so you just have to put in a little extra time and see their steps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of internet stalking. Okay, so that's <laughs> that's the real takeaway that I'm getting here. Exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of internet stalking. Yeah. I love it. Hey, okay, um, what, el- what else did we want to talk about on the podcast? Um... I feel like we had other things. Oh, well, we I was talking to you. So, like I mentioned, um, I had already mentioned before that I have another job that I, I work. Okay. Um, and I think there is this big kind of, especially on, on like Instagram and social platforms, of really projecting one thing. And especially with a creative community like painters like me. Um it's really easy to project it to look like you're a full-time artist. And I'd even do it on my Instagram. You know, I definitely only share my art stuff. I'm not sharing my day-to-day life or anything about my other job that I do. Yeah. Um, but I think there are a lot of people, a lot of creatives that work other jobs and it's just not something that's talked about because I think, um, we live in such a society where image, it's easier to manipulate. Yeah. You know, like you can really, show something that is true but not the full picture right you know like I really I really am a painter I really do that and I really am sharing that on Instagram however I'm not a full-time painter and um I don't think that it should discredit me to say that I work another job like yeah I'm not embarrassed to pay my bills isn't that that this is the whole thing about like marketing yourself Mm. Mm -hmm. so maybe what you're maybe we have this kind of like like, yes, it is necessary to market yourself, but we sort of have, like, a misguided idea about, like, the best way to do that. Mm-hmm. Or, it, I don't know, like, is it effective to convince other people that you are, like, a full-time person? Like, will that will that make them take you more seriously? Maybe. Okay. I mean, I'm hoping so, because I'm really projecting that outside of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it just makes some people think, like, you're already fine and you don't need any help. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It is, it's a weird, it is a weird thing. I feel like maybe with the people that I have, like, kind of holding in my mind of this idea, like, it really kind of projects success on the creative level of being like, I am, I am doing this full time. I look like this. I am doing all these things. Um, Mm -hmm. I think... I think there is a disconnect, I guess. I just feel like there's, it's just not lining up. Yeah. Um, and 
just because we can, we can make it look one way, does that mean we should? Because I definitely follow a lot of artists online that all feel like, you know, lame in comparison to, and then find out, you know, they, they live a really similar life to me and it just looks one way. And I was really comparing myself against someone who's living a life a lot like mine, but it just, I, you know, they were doing a better job of projecting it on the internet. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know. It may or may not help. Right. But it is interesting. Yeah. That I feel like, so maybe not like, that's not exactly like the selling out issue by any means, but that is like another very real pitfall of like marketing yourself Mm. is to like be fake. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or really like streamline something. Like I like to, if, so I don't feel fake. I tell myself that like my Instagram, for example, is more like a social portfolio yeah. versus you know something else yeah, but um, like your own life yeah, yeah exactly because you know i can only post so many cat pictures right yeah and i post a lot but yeah you could probably post more to be honest <laughs> you're right uh like okay the flip side of that though is um so i just had a conversation the other day with somebody who's going to be like an on an episode coming up and uh this person was basically telling me about how she last year was able to quit her job and start making music full time. Mm. And I've like had a a few of those types of conversations on the podcast. And like this one just in particular, like we were having a conversation and it it was just, it was legitimately like really inspiring to me. Cause that is the dream. That is definitely right. You know, to, to not just like, not just see that somebody is doing the thing full time, mm. but to know like that they haven't always been they doing made the it. Transition. And, like, the, yeah, they made that like that transition is yeah. inspiring. Yeah, I think so too. And uh I think yeah, and it feels like all the people, like a lot of artists that have made that transition, um, talk about it after the transition. You yeah. know, and they're like, I I was doing this and now I'm an artist full time and like, ooh, this transition yeah. was so much work, but they don't talk about when they're in it before, you know, like in that moment, like, yeah, I haven't transitioned yet. Yeah. You know? The question, yeah, the question, I, I guess for both of us right now, because we're both <laughs> yeah. not quite there yet. So. <laughs> it is like, yeah, how do you represent yourself before you're there? Yeah. So how so do you do it? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. You just got to grab both sides, I guess. You got to yeah. change it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think there is, I was listening to, um, this podcast called The Portfolio Life, which has been really inspiring for me recently. Um, and the host's idea that he really, like, he only interviews people that have this kind of setup is that, um, people are supposed to have this variety in their life. You know, if I personally am you know, I am a painter, I am a, I am an artist, um, but I probably couldn't paint 24-7, you know, like, that would be sort of unhappy for me, like, I would like to read and make meals and, you yeah. know, like, balance it out with other things, mm-hmm. and um, there's a lot of glory right now for the one thing, you know, like, I am a painter, and that's all I do, and it's really diehard, like, really Van gogh I'm gonna, you know, like, kill myself enslaved to this one thing yeah but um the reality is that a lot of creative people a lot of um artists and entrepreneurs and things they have a a range of things that 
give them joy and they all kind of piece together under one like mega umbrella of their mission mm-hmm. you know like one big mission like I instead of and this is why I want to become less attached to my painter hat mm. of being like I want to have a grander mission of being like I want to live creatively yeah you know, like I'm really into textile stuff right now with the sewing and like I think I can continue my collection with fabrics probably and like yeah. I think the more open you are to how like what success means to you yeah you know the easier it is then to get there like for right. me if I didn't only depend on selling paintings if I could kind of open that up to being like oh well I'm really good at this and I'm really good at this and like I think I can piece them all together yeah um and I think a life like that would maybe suit me better and yeah would you know feel a little more natural and a little less stressful like I'm strangling my paintings hoping that you know they're gonna provide all these answers and stuff for me when yeah there are a lot of things that give me joy right Okay, that that's actually super interesting to me too because it's like the also the talking about you know this theme of tensions. There's kind of like a tension between like, uh, you know, loving the medium and loving the craft versus like, yeah, that that overriding purpose of for for you specifically, and that's something I can really relate to. Like, mm. uh, like what are you trying to say mm. through it? Um, yeah, that's like really interesting. Yeah, like, no, it's so beautiful. It's hmm. inspiring. I feel like it. It really kind of. It allows you to loosen the reins on what is supposed to be your one thing, and then you yeah. can be like, oh, like, you know, I have so much joy from all these other things. Like, I've always loved making clothing, and I've all, like, I really love embroidery, and I really love, yeah. like, I really love painting, and I really love, you know, people and community and stuff, yeah. and like. Well, I think, and that's like the real tin, like that's why you want to be able to do your thing full time Mm. is I I think, you know, maybe for some people it legitimately is like you just only want to take photos or all you want Mm. to do all day is to paint. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think maybe for more, well, I don't know about this, but for myself (laughs) at least, like the issue is wanting to like bring my life into alignment right like not have to do not have to like spend a portion of my day like doing something that's completely unrelated to like what where my passions actually lie yeah like it doesn't matter like that could be a could be a completely different surface level thing yeah but if it like somehow all fed together like that would work yeah like that's why it's that's why like having a job can be so frustrating is not because you're just like spending hours away from your art, but yeah. because you're spending hours like mentally away from what you care about. Yeah, yeah. And I think there is a way to like, you know, like for me, the other the other jobs that I tend to take are all jobs where like it's with smaller businesses where I can see the impact that I, I am providing for them. And it may not be as creatively stimulating for me, but I can literally... Mm feel it helping someone else's project and that is really inspiring yeah. you know so like I think a lot of it is in interpretation as well that like you know if you interpret it under this lens of like oh I can see the person who I'm helping you know like I can feel they're appreciating my work right um it just then it kind of like opens it up for a different facet and be like oh yeah during during these hours I like you know help help this guy you know mm-hmm. <laughs> that's better than me being like oh, I'm wasting my I'm wasting my time away from my craft 
Yeah. No, totally. Totally. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think we should maybe... I want to start wrapping up. Okay. But... All right. Do we miss anything else? Anything else? What else do you want to say? What else do I want to say? Open mic night. Open mic night. Here we go. What do I want to say? I don't know. But I will say that I am really excited about these new textile things that I'm working on. Okay. Um, I'm hoping it's still kind of dreamy right now, so I haven't really solidified any ideas, but I really want to create clothing that can be a continuation of my Janus collection. So like in the same way that I would paint the like veil of white over my paintings and allow hints, I think that the body is also this beautiful representation of like, you know, the majesty of creation and the world and like it's intricate and perfect bodies are in general. Yeah. Um, so I have a lot of like kind of dreamy ideas of making, making clothing that has certain areas that are revealing. So it's the same like hint, hint of a grand plan or hint of mm. the intention of the world or whatever. Um, with that same veil over the top, because I think clothing is a lot like a veil, you know? Yeah. Um, but instead of mass-produced, it would be under this, like, umbrella of, of what I'm up to with this creative mission of focusing on the mysterious. Yeah. Um, so I think that will be really exciting. I'm not sure what it will look like, but I'm really excited about working on it right now. So okay. if nothing else, if nothing else, that... If nothing else. Yeah, okay. exactly. All right. Um, hmm. So let me just ask um, something that you and I were talking about just earlier this evening is how like an artist's life, anybody who's trying to do anything creative is like you are getting in line for like the worst roller coaster in the world. <laughs> like, sure. It is some amazing highs and like the most depressing lows. Sure. Um how do you deal with the lows? Um, like a, <laughs> I feel like I've been seeing this all over the internet recently, so I'm like hesitant to kind of say it, but, um, I think self-care is really like the thing. Yeah. Um, what does that I, mean to you? So I read, I don't know, have you ever read The Artist Way? No. So it's this whole like program essentially for creatively drained people but I think honestly it's for everybody um and it just is kind of this like self-care process in treating yourself like a creative but also nourishing yourself again so it, yeah. it has like all these exercises and stuff you do so the basic things that you have to continue are artist dates where you kind of take yourself out once a week and be like this is a treat for me this is a fancy date like I don't treat my like I treat myself better than anybody else could treat me and you really like have that intention when you go like even on a walk like if you go on a walk and you like really are like oh this is gift I'm giving myself um mm. I think that makes a huge difference and I also do especially in lower times I do these other another thing called morning pages mm -hmm. where it's just three pages of train of thought writing um and it really helps declutter all the stuff that you have going on and if you get in a rhythm of doing it it gets harder to do because you just kind of cleanse it out of yourself. Yeah. Um, 
which is really interesting because it's it's different than journaling because you're literally just trying to fill up three pages like you're not really thinking about your content and a lot of times you know when you first wake up in the morning which is when I prefer to do mine you're the stuff that's hanging on you're hanging on to are these like weird ridiculous things that you know are actually nothing you're just like I hate how that person looked at me or like you know maybe I'm nothing at all but because you're writing this and it's train of thought you'll be like maybe I'm nothing at all and be like don't talk like that Leah like you're still valid, you know, and it's this kind of weird banter that you get with yourself. Yeah. Um, and then the morning pages are always supposed to end in affirmation. So mine always kind of change depending on what season I'm in. Like a lot of them are like, you know, you, you have the power to get what you want or, you know, like you have a place in the world. You just have to, you know, find it or carve out a hole. And, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of power in, in the dialogue that you have with yourself. Yeah, and this is it's a book called The Artist's Yeah, so Way. it's The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Um, the book is a 12-week course, but I think it felt too fast for me. I did it over a full year, so I stretched each week out into a full month. Oh, wow. Um, but you can even do it, you know, like one chapter and then not do it for a while, but it's, it's a pretty intense little course. Okay, awesome. Yeah, check it out. Okay. Book recommendation. Yeah, this is a good way to wrap up. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, hey, I also just wanted to ask, you know, for people interested in following you and your work, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, I am pretty Instagram. It is difficult to say out loud, but it visually looks very simple, which I feel like is all about my work anyway. So it's four underscores and then LLP four underscores. So uh, that's we'll, obnoxious, but we'll uh, yeah, put just it in the caption. Really or good idea. Really good idea. Um, my also my website is the best way to I think see my portfolio, mm-hmm. and that's uh, www.llpfineart.com. Okay. All right. Well, Leah, um, I know you know now for a fact that you are a person with like a lot of stuff to say. So obviously we didn't get to all of it. <laughs> it's probably best. But yeah, I don't know. Are we, are we, are we missing anything important? I know. I feel like we're missing stuff too, but we must not be. We must have talked about everything. Yeah. Under everything under the sun. <laughs> yeah, you're a really good interviewer. So <laughs> yeah, must thank have you. That. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's no way that I missed anything. I know that. Yeah. All right. Hey, Leah, Pante, thank you so much for coming on the Rainier Club podcast. Thank you for inviting me.